At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. The bell tower of Pisa, Italy, is one of the most famous buildings in the entire world. In fact, thousands of people every year travel to uh, the city of Pisa in order to marvel at this building. And it's a gorgeous building. The architecture is phenomenal. It's old and historic. But unfortunately, the main reason that people go to see the bell tower in Pisa, Italy, is not necessarily because of the beauty of its architecture, but because of a famous problem that has happened to it. The tower, um, the bell tower in Pisa, Italy, was built on a bad foundation, and it now leans slightly one direction. Many of you know it as the leaning tower of Pisa. The tower wasn't originally built on ground and with a foundation that was too soft to sustain its weight, and so over time it began to tilt to one side. If modern architecture hadn't actually intervened with modern cement and some different technologies in order to hold it in place, eventually the tower would have continued the trajectory that you can see it move towards and fallen and collapsed. One of the things I think the bell tower of Pisa is a constant reminder to us is that foundations are key to longevity. That if any building is to sustain over a long period of time, its foundation is key. That's not only true of buildings, but it's also true of our lives themselves. The things that our lives are built upon, the foundations that we stand upon in our life, ultimately determines not just the longevity of our physical lives, but the health and wellness of our lives in its totality. The foundations of our lives determine the reality of our lives. What you build your life upon, the things you pursue, the things that are at the core of who you are and why you live life the way you do impact your life and how you experience it. We're continuing this morning in our series, Unshakable, where we have been studying through the book of 1 Peter to understand how God works amongst his church to form a community that is unshakable. We remind ourselves that from the very beginning, this letter's focus has been encouraging a church and churches who are experiencing a lot of pressure from the culture that is around them. And Peter wants to help encourage them to say, although you're facing lots of pressure, lots of challenges, God has actually designed and created you in a way that you can live unshakable not only personally, but as a community. And if you remember, as Peter's kind of been developing this idea and theme, he began his letter by praising God for what he has done for us, that he has brought us into salvation and given us a living hope in Jesus Christ. And then he spent time in the passage just before the one we're going to look at this morning calling us to five things to live out in light of the salvation that God has given us. But Peter, this morning, wants to go back and he wants to begin reminding us of the truth of who we are, what God has done for us and given us 
to help us really think through how we live our life and what are the things that are underpinning it, what are the foundations of who we are and how those foundations begin to affect how we're called to live together as God's people. And so before we jump into the text, I I just want to begin with a simple question that I think will help you begin to see what Peter wants to encourage us in this morning. And the question is simply this, what is your life built upon? What are the core things? What is at the foundation? What motivates and animates your life and why you live it the way you do? What's the core? Maybe even that's a question not just for you personally, but again, a question for us collectively as a church. What is at the core of who we are? What is our foundation? This is what Peter wants us to think about today, because if we're going to be an unshakable community, then our foundation matters. So let's jump into our passage this morning and see how Peter wants to challenge and encourage us us today. Look at verse 4 again with me. Peter continues, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So he is picking up the idea that he just left off in verse 3, where he encouraged us to crave God's word, but then he reminded us, if you've tasted that the Lord is good, encouraging us again to experience God and engage him for ourselves. But Peter now makes the assumption that if you have done that, Right? He begins by saying, as you come to him, then there's a certain fact and reality that begins to impact your life. He's assuming you have come to him. And in some ways, that's the starting place for the passage this morning. I don't want to just assume that all of us have come to Christ. Maybe you're here with us this morning visiting, exploring what Christianity is all about. Maybe you're beginning to think through some of those questions at the core of who you are today. Well, Peter wants to invite you, and I would invite you, that the starting place for that is to come to Christ. That all that we're going to unpack begins with coming to him and placing your faith in him. If you haven't done that today, that's my prayer for you, that through our time together you would see the truth and reality of who Jesus is and you would come to him and trust in him Today, But Peter again assumes, and he says, as you come to him, a living stone. He begins by reminding us of who Jesus is. Remember, Peter always starts, and we see this time and time again. He starts with who God is, what God has done, before he begins to move towards who we are and what we are called to do. And so even as he's going to remind us of who we are, he first goes back and once again reminds us of who God, who Jesus is. He says that he is a living stone. Now that's an odd phrase, isn't it? I don't know how many stones you've met that are alive. Probably my guess is not many. If you have, maybe we need to have a talk after the service. But he calls Christ here a living stone. Now he's going to unpack the stone metaphor for us throughout this passage. But What I think he wants to emphasize from the beginning of why he calls Jesus a living stone is he wants to hearken us back to really one of the core aspects of our foundation of faith, which is the resurrection. 
which is the reality and truth that Jesus Christ died but did not stay dead, that he rose from the dead and in doing so defeated death itself. Peter actively throughout this letter wants to call back our minds to the power and the truth of the resurrection. It is what our hope is actually rooted in. If you look back at verse 3, he says, we've been caused to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection is one of the foundational aspects of our Christian faith. Again, if you're seeking this morning, my encouragement to you is to start with the truth and reality of the resurrection. It is what the Christian faith is built upon. And so Peter reminds us that in order for us to understand who we are, we have to remember that God has raised Jesus from the dead and has made him a stone. He ultimately says, rejected my men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. He's going to come back to that idea in a minute, so hold on to that one. But he continues then in verse 4. From that place of who Jesus is, he now begins to help us understand who we are in light of it. And he says, you yourselves, if you've come to Christ, you yourselves like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. The first thing that Peter wants us to remember is that we need to recognize our place in the house of God. That if we are to have a solid foundation this morning, we have to recognize our place, who we are in this house that God is building. He makes that very clear in verse 4. As Christ is a living stone, you that have come to him are now also living stones. And as living stones, you are a part of God's spiritual home. Peter draws here in verse 4 on the image of the temple, which for Peter, who would have grown up a Jew, guided by the Old Testament scriptures, the temple was the centerpiece of their their faith. It was the house of God built on a hill in Jerusalem. It was magnificent and beautiful, and it was the place that God was said to dwell amongst the nation of Israel. And the people would come to the temple not only to worship, but to offer sacrifices of repentance. And it was a symbol of their relationship with God and God's dwelling amongst his people. It was also a symbol of where God's space and his creation overlapped, where heaven and earth met. But Peter now shifts and says, reminding the church that God actually no longer dwells in the temple. That is no longer his spiritual home. That God has, in fact, and is building a new spiritual home, a new place that he is going to dwell, where his presence is actually to be found upon the earth. And the, the place that God now dwells is among his people, among those who have come to put their faith in Christ, and that those who have done that are living stones. They are a part of God's house. You, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you are a part of God's spiritual house. One of uh, my favorite shows last year that my wife and I watched on Netflix was the show The World's Most Extraordinary Homes. 
I don't know if you've ever seen this, if you have Netflix. It's a, fun, it's a fascinating show. It's like a British celebrity and a British architect go around and travel to all these incredible houses around the world, and they look at these houses, and he kind of shows you the architecture and design, and it's fascinating to learn. And oftentimes they interview the people who've built these homes, and it's fascinating to learn their desire and how they built these homes and the care and concern and thought process and work that they did in designing these. I mean, they're, they're literally mind-blowing. I would encourage you. It's a great, it's a great uh, show to watch, and it's mind-blowing the care and effort these people put in in designing their homes and, and the work they did in taking these raw materials and fashioning them and shaping them and using the construction they did to, to build these mind-blowing places. Have you ever really thought about what God would do if God was to build a home? Like, if God was to build a house, would he not put the same care and concern in its purpose, its design? Would he not take those same raw materials and fashion them towards the greater, larger aspect of what he wanted to do? What Peter reminds us is that God, in fact, is building a house. Like a master architect or Someone who desires a beautiful home, God is in fact building a spiritual house. And he's taking the raw material of human beings and he is fashioning them to be a part of his house. That you, you are God's design. You're his architecture. If you are in Christ today, God, you are a living stone that is a part of the house that God is designing. That is the place that he is going to dwell The fun thing I love about that show is that each house depicts some of the personality and the nature of the homeowner itself, their care, their desire, what they want. The church that God's building is similar, that God is designing us to show to the world who he is like, what sort of God he is, what his purposes are, what his nature is. God dwells in a home, or seeks to dwell in a place on the earth, in a spiritual home, and it is among his people, in his people, the church. You, follower of Christ, are a part of that spiritual home. But you're not only a part of God's spiritual house, Peter wants to remind you, you're also a part of God's priesthood. Look how he continues. So, you are a living stone being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So not only are we building building up to a spiritual house, Peter draws then now on a second metaphor related to the temple, which is the priesthood. In the Old Testament, there were priests that served God at the temple. They were a special class in the Old Testament, the Levites, whose sole purpose and job was to be the go-between between the people of God and God in the temple where he dwelt. But what Peter wants to remind us is that if you're in Christ, there is no special class anymore, but all of God's people now have become a priesthood. A means by which, a go-between between God and where God dwells and the world and others around us. He reminds us that we, you and I, when we come to Christ, not only are we priests, but we offer to God worship. 
Now, in the temple, there were two types of worship. There were two types of sacrifices. There was the sacrifices for atonement that dealt with the issue of sin, but there were also sacrifices of worship. Sacrifices that were merely given in order to praise and honor God for who he is. So when Peter says we're being built up into a priesthood that offers sacrifices, he's not talking about the sacrifices for sin. The New Testament is clear. Jesus Christ is the only atoning sacrifice for sin. He is the only payment for the sin that you and I have committed. And that when he went to the cross and died on our behalf, he atoned for our sin fully and finally. When he declared it is finished, it was finished. Our sin was dealt with. So we are not offering sacrifices to atone for our sin. No, we then in response to Jesus's sacrifice offer our lives as a sacrifice of worship. We come to him to say, God, use my life and our lives to make much of who you are. Use what you have given me to declare your worth to the world around me. This is how we live and act as priests in the world, that you and I and together as a community are meant to represent the worth of God by the way we live as living sacrifices, offering our lives in worship to him. This is a really, I think, big and important concept for who we are called to be as the church that we are meant to be the representatives of God together. That there is no special class of Christians. No pastor, no missionary. There isn't someone who's set apart, but that you and I and all of us and all of life is meant to be lived to make much of God. Do you recognize your part in God's house? Because if you do, you begin to recognize that the church matters. The church matters. And when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about the institution. I'm talking about the people. The church matters because it is God's representative to the world. But not only does the church matter, you matter to the church. You are a stone God is fashioning and building and placing within his community, even his local community, here in order to show the world who he is, to be a people that he dwells among. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to miss those two facts, to either feel like the church doesn't matter, and we can just kind of be solo Christians and dip in and dip out of the community as we see fit, or... We think that we don't matter. But the reminder from Scripture this morning is, you do matter and the church matters. And because they matter, we should take them seriously and pursue them. We should live life in such a way that centers us on Christ, that prioritizes his community. We've talked about this before in this teaching series, that we prioritize the community because when we do that, it does Give us the sort of foundation in which God builds and works and allows us to be unshakable. But Peter doesn't just want us to see who we are. He also wants to remind us in this call that we're built on a certain foundation. And it's that foundation that guides the sort of house we're being built up into. Look at verse 
six. Peter says four. So he's taking what he said in verse four and five, and he's now giving you the reasoning. He's now giving you the underlining reason for why he's calling you and reminding you of who you are as part of God's house and as part of God's priesthood. And he's going to root it directly in Scripture. He says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Peter quotes from Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, a phenomenal passage and promise of God's deliverance. And he reminds us that God has promised to establish a kingdom. When God talks about Zion and the future of Zion, it's a promise of his future kingdom and the new Jerusalem that God will build in order to bring his righteousness and justice and his way back to the earth. And God says, I'm laying in Zion, in this new kingdom, in this new Jerusalem, a cornerstone. And this cornerstone is chosen and precious, reminding us of God's acceptance of Christ and who he is as the foundation, and that God is laying this cornerstone in order to build upon it the spiritual house that he is building. In order to understand the importance of the cornerstone, you have to understand a little bit about ancient architecture. They didn't have the modern technology that we have today, and so when they built buildings or foundations, it was the laying and fashioning of stone, which was how most buildings at the time were built. And as we said from the beginning, the foundation was important, and the way you went about setting the foundation was you would set a cornerstone, the smoothest stone that you could get and fashion, the one that was most well-balanced, you would set that stone in place, and then you would build the rest of the foundation off that key cornerstone. If you have a bad cornerstone, you have a bad foundation. The rest of your foundation is not going to hold up the strength of the building. So what God is saying to his people is there's going to be a time where I'm going to establish this cornerstone, this key piece, and everything of the house that I am building will be built off the truth and the reality of this cornerstone, which in this passage Peter is reminding us is Christ Jesus. That Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You actually find this throughout the New Testament. He is the one that God has laid and then is building his spiritual house off of that foundation. The reason we can be a spiritual house, the reason we can experience and be the sort of priests that offer our lives as worship is because of the foundation that God has laid for us in Jesus Christ. And that when we come to him, when we trust him, when we build our lives about him, we become those living stones that God uses to build his spiritual home. Peter emphasizes that reality and the way he actually ends this section where he says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. In Peter's day and age, the reality of shame and honor was a huge deal for these followers of Christ in this church. Oftentimes we struggle to see that 
strong connection because we are most often in a guilt culture, not a shame culture. But in Peter's day, to bring shame upon a family or a community was the worst of sins. They were very communal in their identity. And so these Christians, you can sense, were struggling with the fact that they had trusted in Christ, but that had brought shame upon their family for some of them. It had brought shame of their community. And you imagine that those around them would mock and ridicule and have disdain for them that they had turned from their other gods or their other way of life in order to trust in Christ. But what Peter wants to remind us is those who have put their faith in Jesus, who have built their life on that cornerstone, will not experience ultimate shame. In fact, God will honor them. That God has in fact covered our shame in Christ and he has given honor to us. And for those of you that have believed in Jesus, you need to know that God does never look in shame at you. But he sees you with the honor that he bestows on Christ because you are in him. But Peter continues on with the lesson in this passage and he says, But for those who do not believe... The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Again, he draws from the Old Testament, from Psalm 118 and Isaiah chapter 8. And what he reminds us is that in God's work of laying the cornerstone of Christ, God has brought a dividing point to all of humanity. That those who trust in Christ, who build their life upon him by faith, experience the blessing of having their shame covered and honor bestowed. But there's a second group of people who reject Christ, who reject who he is, reject him as the cornerstone of their lives and of the world and kingdom that God is building. And because of that, Christ has become a stumbling block. He's become an offense to them. He is not seen as the king, necessary, to build upon, they see him as someone who should be rejected and mocked. We see this even in our own culture today where Christian faith is viewed as something lesser, something that's silly and ridiculous because we have rejected Christ. And when we reject Christ at some point, he becomes offensive to us. He becomes a means of stumbling for us. Peter's clear on why they stumble, because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Why? Why do people reject Christ? Why do they not experience the life-giving reality that he brings, the stable foundation that he offers? Peter's clear, because they disobey the word. The fundamental human problem that we see from the very beginning of Genesis chapter 3 is that we reject God's word. And because we reject God's word, we reject God and the life that he comes to offer us. Every pain, every wound, every challenge, every sin that you experience in your life ultimately finds its root in the rejection of God's word of what he has called you to and the life he has provided for you in Christ. 
And Peter says this is why that these men, women, are destined to do it and that they stumble because they disobey the word of God. But you hear in that his call and his encouragement to all of us to say, don't be like those that have rejected and disobeyed God's word. Instead, build your life upon the foundation that is Christ. Even as he encourages us, don't stumble on the word of God. He calls us and reminds us that you and I have the opportunity to build our lives on something that is a firmer foundation. And that's the thing I want you to see in this passage, that God calls us and invites us to build our lives on the cornerstone of Christ. That if we are to have a foundation that is unshakable, that can stand the challenges and reality of life, that we must build our lives on Him. Because the foundation matters. Uh, over this past year, uh, my wife and I were looking for a new house after we moved here. And we spent an ample amount of time looking for houses. More than I thought we would originally. And we probably saw 30, maybe close to 40 houses by the time in all different areas and all different places and all different designs and all different structures trying to find the right one. The Lord finally blessed us with it. It was quite, uh, quite the journey. But there was always this experience that I had in the journey that happened a few times where I would go to a house and I would look at it and we'd walk through the first floor, and, I, and I'd love it. We'd love the finishes. We might walk upstairs and see the bedrooms and think like, oh, this, this is a house we could really live in. This, this is a great house, and we'd love all the design and layout and all the sorts of things. But then, then we'd walk down the basement stairs. And we'd look, and we would see, and all of a sudden, we'd discover that large crack in the foundation. Or we'd see the bowing of a wall. Or we would see the leaking water that was pouring in. And it was always somewhat disappointing because no matter how much we loved the other aspects of the house, as soon as we saw that, we were out. Because I, I don't know much about houses. I'm no architect, but I know one thing. Once your foundation goes bad, you can never get it back to its original design. You can repair it, you can plug it, you can do things to try to uphold it, but once the foundation's bad, it's bad. You see, I think sometimes, often in our lives, we fail to really look and establish the foundation of our lives and what it is truly built upon. It's easy for us to kind of cover up our lives with great finishes and great layouts to convince ourselves that we're okay because look at the job I work, look at the kids I have, look at the home I have, look at these things and we can kind of put things in place that look really good but in the quiet moments of our life we know that there's some cracks in the foundation. We 
We know that we've built our lives on things that don't last. Yeah, they might look great on the outside. The might be a beautiful kitchen, but we know underneath there's a problem. You see, there's so many foundations that we build our lives on in the world. Some of us build our lives on the foundation of achievement, hoping that the more we earn, the more we progress, the more we accomplish, then our lives will be okay. Some of us build our lives on the foundation of comparison, thinking if we're just a little bit better than those around us, we'll be all right. For some of us, we build our lives on the foundation of worthlessness and have received messages that we've internalized to think, I'll never matter, so why even try? Or we've experienced a deep pain or wound that we've clung to as the foundation of our lives, and it controls everything of how we relate to others, how we navigate life, how we respond to the things that come out of us. Some of us have built our foundations on lesser gods, pursued things of this world like money and sex and accomplishment or all sorts of stuff that never end up providing the sort of foundation that we need. But I think the question at some point we all have to wrestle is how do those foundations hold up in the challenges of life? How does your achievement come up when you get the cancer diagnosis? How does your comparison look when your kids aren't as perfect as you thought they were? How's that foundation of shame and worthlessness work out for you when you fill yourselves with things to medicate the pain that you feel inside? How's the porn working for your relationship? How's the money work when it can't control the things you long and desire to control? You see, the reality is so many of us build our lives on these things, and at the core of it, what we've built our life upon is a foundation of self. We think that somehow we have the power within us to set our lives up in such a way that we'll be okay when the challenge comes, that when life gets hard, that when the diagnosis happens, when things don't work out, When I get the news that I'm losing the job, well, then I'll be okay. But what we see time and time again is that when we build our lives on that foundation, the houses of our lives crumble under the weight and pressure that we experience on a regular basis. You can temporarily manage the effects of a bad foundation. But the reality is you can never have a firm foundation until you tear it down and rebuild it. And what Peter is inviting you today is to see that for some of you, you have built your foundation in a bad way. And it's cracking and it's falling apart. And you see and notice in those quiet, dark moments, this is not holding up the way I thought it would hold up. Peter wants to invite you to say there's a a greater foundation that you can build upon. There's a foundation that can stand any challenge, any diagnosis, any bad news, any situation, even can withstand death because this cornerstone is actually alive. He's living. 
He went into that grave and he came out of that grave to declare that you can build your life on something that is sure and permanent, that will never crack, that will never fade, that will never dissipate, that will never crumble. And that cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And Peter is inviting you to build your life upon that. And he's inviting us to be the sort of church that continually builds upon him, to come to him today to trust in him and to uh, together build our lives on him. So, this morning I want to invite you to build your life upon Christ, the only sure and steadfast foundation we have. Let me pray for you. some of you this morning, even as we pray, you know and feel within your heart the reality of those cracks. You know the things you have been pursuing have failed to live up to what you desire, what God has called your life to be. But like I said before, you cannot Experience the firmness of foundation until you're willing to let go of the foundation that you cling to and let God tear it down. So I want to invite you this morning to just a place of surrender. To confess that before God. To confess whatever it is, that foundation in your heart that you've been clinging to and say, Lord, would you tear this down? And then I invite you to simply begin to rebuild on Christ. It just starts with faith with just coming to him and saying, Jesus, I don't have the answers. I can't save myself. But I trust that you, you can rescue and save me. I trust in your death on my behalf. I trust that you are alive and Lord of my life. And then you just commit to following after him. And let God begin to rebuild your house. So Lord Jesus, I pray that right now you would even work by your spirit while we sing and while we worship. those that have been building on a foundation that is cracking and worn and crumbling, I pray you would help them to surrender and turn to you and build upon the cornerstone of Christ. For those that have put their faith in you, would you continue to encourage us to place all of life and build all of our life upon you, that we would become those living, acceptable sacrifices that glorify and magnify you, O oh Jesus. Work now, even as we sing, I pray. We love you, and it's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.